Well, hey everyone, and welcome to our Sunday morning service for August the 23rd, 2020. Glad to be with you this morning. I'm just going to open up the service in prayer. You know, I was thinking today about the faithfulness of God, and uh, we can often forget about how faithful God is. Faithful means that He keeps His promises. It means that He does what He says He's going to do. It means that He doesn't break uh, a promise to us. It means that He doesn't deceive us. He is faithful, and He continues to be faithful. So I don't know what you're going through this week or what it it has been like, but uh, it helps to meditate and to focus on the faithfulness of God. God. Father, we thank you that you are faithful. And uh, we think of the old hymn, Great is Your Faithfulness. And Lord, so many times our faith can fail and our trust in you can fail. Our trust in others can fail. We can fail others. But Lord, you never fail for you are faithful. So I pray for each one who's watching, who's listening, who will watch, who will listen. God, that uh, above all things, we would be reminded of your character and your nature as being faithful to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
I feel this morning we just need to take a few moments to be silent uh, before the Lord and and let him speak to you this morning or even if you're watching this as a recording or listening just take a moment and let God uh, speak to you God we just wait in expectation and we thank you for you are not silent, Lord. And I pray that you would prompt people and you would whisper to people in their hearts. Maybe it's a, a decision that, that they need to make. Maybe it's a conversation that they need to have with someone. Maybe it's a phone call that needs to be made. But Lord, I pray you would speak to us and through your spirit. And we are so thankful and uh, so grateful that we can have a relationship with you, God, where it's not just us us doing the talking. It's not uh, us carrying uh, you, but, Lord, you carry us. And um, we are so thankful for that, and we worship you, and we praise you today. May, may what you're beginning, even in these moments, carry on throughout the week in people's lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning again, everyone, and welcome. Maybe you're just tuning in uh, to our broadcast today. It's great to be with you today, August the 23rd, 
2020. And uh, right off the bat, I would just want to speak to anyone who's watching this feed for the very, very first time. Don't be shy, all right? If you will text the key phrase, reach the one, to 514-900-0130, all the system's going to ask you for is your name, your cell number, and your email address. That's all, all right? And you will get on our mass email and text list. We do all of our announcements that way in this church. No paper bulletins. And it's just easier uh, all around. And uh, announcements go right to your phone. You can cancel them anytime that you want to. Uh, but this will also give you access to some of the things that we have to offer as a church. And I'll send you a little e email gift uh, in your inbox. You can stay in touch through our website at citypointchurch.ca. Reach out to me through the contact page uh, on our website as well. In the Connect Sermons uh, section, you're going to see audio and video of all of our messages. They go all the way back, especially the audio goes all the way back to four years ago. All right, There's like 300 messages on there. And the video section of our Connect page has videos since the uh, the pandemic struck. And there's a lot, folks. We did a whole series on the book of Acts. And right now we're into your questions, God's questions, which I do about uh, two, three times a week now. And so there's a lot of content for you to enjoy, to share, uh, to, to uh, forward to other people. And uh, there'll be a little notice on the screen there. Remember to share. Remember to start watch parties if you like that uh, method. But uh, uh, get the information out, all right? What we're doing in this broadcast is, a, is like a church service, uh, albeit online. But uh, get the information out because there's people all around the world, literally, who are looking around all over the Internet. And there's just so much content and some of it's good and some of it's not so good. Uh, but what we're doing here is teaching the Bible and trying to reach the one who is far from God so that together we would become passionate followers of Jesus. So you can help, especially those of you who call this church your home, whether, you, whether you've ever attended in person or you've just started attending online, hit that share button or start a watch party on Facebook and uh, that will help to spread uh, the word. Continue to pray for our missionaries. Uh, you see on the screen Michel and Louis Charbonneau active in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Uh, with hundreds of young people and young adults under their care. And Marie and Don, uh, Marie Jose and Don Mann, who are presently uh, writing the content for the new Quest Leadership Program that Don and Marie will be uh, teaching all around the world uh, when travel bans lift. Continue to pray for Don's uh, health as well. And uh, thank you so much for, you know, just keeping a heartbeat for our missionaries, our global workers, which are the extension of what we're trying to do locally here in uh, Brossard and beyond. A couple of announcements for you on Wednesday morning, starting at eight o'clock. It's all set. We are going to be moving our stage and our gear uh, from one screen to the other screen in uh, Cineplex at Complex Distante in Brossard. This is in anticipation of our first uh, in-person gathering after what will be six months on September the 20th, 2020. Uh, you should have received, if you're on our list, um, an email where you can uh, uh, let me know if you're coming or not coming on uh, that Wednesday morning. Looks like I've got about six guys 
who are coming, men, women, doesn't matter. You're welcome as long as your able body can move around. Uh, I recommend you bring a mask. If you don't, they'll probably have one for you, but bring one. And it's going to be a good time uh, uh, of, of fellowship as we do that work uh, together at Cineplex on Wednesday morning. Should be done by about noon, but we'll see how long it uh, it takes, okay? Uh, remember as well, our church is going to be running the Alpha Film Series. Uh, we'll start the week of Labor Day. Not sure what uh, night of the week it's going to be. Probably Wednesday night, but I'm setting up a little team who's going to help me to run Alpha. It's uh, really easy to run online. And we're going to be doing it online. Uh, I need people who are going to pray for those who uh, who are there. I need people who are going to commit to attending. It's 11 sessions. And it's through the, most likely we'll choose the Zoom platform. Uh, people who are going to follow up new visitors. People who are going to share advertisements on Facebook about it. And uh, just, just commit to serving in Alpha if you want to attend it. Alpha is a an introduction to the Christian faith. It is video-based material, normally done in person, but it's having a huge impact around the world online now because people can explore Christianity right from inside their home. They don't even have to sit around a table with other people, and they can still build relationships with people even though it's online, and it's very successful and answers some of the basic questions uh, that we have about Christianity and uh, done in a very, very well-produced video format, interactive. You can ask any question you want. Nobody's condemned regardless of their view. And people learn to grow together and try and discover God together. And it's a, it's an amazing tool. And so we're going to be running that. If you want to be involved, just check your email inbox and you should see an invitation from me to join the team or to just attend uh, or get more information, and I'll reach out to you. And again, if you uh, don't have that, please uh, text that key phrase that you saw at the beginning of our uh, little broadcast here. Reach the one to 514-900-0130. couple of other things for you. Uh, today is the last day that you can watch the stage production of the Old Testament uh, story of Jonah. This is an amazing opportunity for you. My family has been to the site at Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Sight and Sound Theaters, which is like holds over 2,000 people. They do only uh, uh, stage productions of Bible stories. And it's what you, the type of quality, it rivals anything on Broadway, uh, anywhere around the world. There are millions of people who go to uh, their location in both Pennsylvania and Missouri to watch these things. And you get to watch it for free at home. This is the last day. It's on TBN.org, uh, the Trinity Broadcasting Network. And uh, please know that uh, TBN has all kinds of content. I do not endorse everything that they put out there, but I'm endorsing this, okay, because I have seen it, and it is a powerful depiction of the story of Jonah. Your children will love it. Parents, they will love it. Uh, we did this at Easter time because they had the story of Jesus 
from Sight and Sound, also on TBN. People thought it was fantastic. So you're going to really enjoy it. Just go to TBN.org. You'll have to make a login and you can watch that production uh, right up till the end of today. Not sure what time they're going to finish. All right. Also, you would have received, again, if you're on our email list, which most of you are who are watching or listening, uh, an email about um, the return uh, to Cineplex and uh, regathering and meeting in person. And there are some key questions that we need your help with. Okay, there's there's a, a few people who have already responded, but I need some more responses uh, as soon as you can, please, because we need to make a decision as to how often we are going to be meeting at Cineplex at least while we continue to deal with the pandemic, all right? And uh, is it going to be every week? Is it going to be once a month? We want to be good stewards of the resources that God has given to us and also be safe at the same time and take into account the the potential of a so-called second wave and all of those things. So pretty well every church is going through the same decision-making process and we need your help in order to uh, make the right decision. So please give me your feedback. All of your responses are confidential. It's only three questions. I'm the only one who sees it. Uh, so you can feel free to be honest. You can respond with any questions as well. Just check your inbox for more info. And you will see that there. And thank you for your generosity in giving. You'll see our uh, giving information on the screen there at citypointchurch.ca slash give. You keep us going. You keep this online platform going. You keep me going, all right? It is a marathon that we are in, and uh, it we need your support to continue to run uh, in this time. It is an exhausting time for everyone as we're all sort of running this marathon uh, together. So thank you for your generosity, your faithfulness. You continue to fund our missionaries, all of the online platform stuff that we are doing. All of it has costs attached, and uh, we thank you for your support. All right, we are finishing a series on the two letters that Peter wrote that are preserved for us in the New Testament, First Peter and Second Peter. This is part 10. And we are at the end of Second Peter. It's only three chapters long. And the title of our message today is Do Not Forget This One Thing. Do not forget this one thing. I'll read it, uh, read the text for you, and then we'll, uh, we'll take a look together. All right, this is from Second Peter chapter 3, verses 8 to 13 in your New Testament, in your Bible. If you are brand new to the Bible, and I don't presume that everybody's an expert who's watching or listening, the YouVersion Bible app, Y-O-U-V-E-R-S-I-O-N, is the best and easiest app to use if you want to get a, an introduction to the Bible. Many different features on there as well. Works on Android and uh, iOS uh, devices, your tablets, your phones, and you can do that for free at uversion.com, all right? Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verses 8 to 13, but do not forget this one thing. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow, in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. 
He is patient with you. And I'm reading this very slowly for a reason. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar and the elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. What an incredible description. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. Now, Peter is ending this letter to a group of churches in several provinces in what is now known as the area of Turkey. He is writing, as we have seen for the last, uh, wow, last 10 weeks, uh, he is writing from uh, probably Rome. He is facing his own execution, which as far as we know from the earliest traditions was done at the hands of Emperor Nero. We know from history Nero died in 68. Peter was likely executed in around 65 shortly after he completed this letter. These are his last thoughts to these people. Do not forget this one thing. If there's one thing I want you to remember, and if you you, uh, had watched or listened to our previous messages, Peter uses all these words to try and do that. Uh, In the English translations, remember, recall, uh, refresh, remind, uh, so he's, he's trying to encourage these people because he knows that his own passing from this world is near. And uh, so here's this last thing. Do not forget this one thing. And it's this very, very dramatic passage about the second coming of Jesus, uh, which we look at today in the modern world. And wow, you know, our eyes are raised up especially the skeptic and remember the context here uh, from last week there are peter is warning there's going to be scoffers who will come and those scoffers are going to say this is nonsense where is this coming that he promised everything goes on the same way that it always has and peter reminds uh, us that there's two things that have been forgotten here that God has created everything and that God destroyed everything once before. And so this is the creation and the flood in uh, the book of Genesis that he uses as justification uh, in his, his little discourse here. 
And um, so this is the context. This is what's going on. Now, bringing it to the 21st century and speaking in a very practical fashion and, try, and being very direct and very blunt about this, um, we look at the second coming of Jesus today and the promise of his coming, and we, we have lost a sense of why this is an important uh, reality in the story of Christianity and why this is essential for us to understand and to meditate on today and to anticipate today. We've taken the second coming and we've put it on a theology bookshelf. We have lost the practicality of it. We think it's, it's almost like a science fiction type event uh, and we've almost made it fiction in our understanding. And we've almost mythologized it in our understanding. And we've lost the practicality of it. Peter sees it as extremely practical. And we should today. And let me try to explain to you why coming at it from a different angle. The most common objection, the most common question about Christianity Today And there are many, many objections and many questions about Christianity, but they repeat themselves over time. Uh, I'm doing a series uh, uh, during the week, uh, Your Questions, God's Questions. And uh, there were, I forgot how many questions that you asked, uh, probably around, I think it was about 18 or 20. And all excellent questions, most of them, have been have been asked by other people throughout history. A few of them I've never heard before, but most of them uh, they've been asked before. Um, it, there is one that is the most common, however, and it always has been the most common. It's the most common question and objection you're going to hear today if people find out that you are a Christian in your school or in your marketplace, wherever you are. You're going to be asked this question in your family. You're going to be asked this question. It's going to be asked in a very condescending fashion by some, but in others, it will be asked in a very curious fashion as a legitimate uh, question, not an attempt to be uh, condescending or not trying to attack God's character. Some will ask it that way. Some won't, but it remains the most common objection or and or question to the Christian faith. I'll put it on the screen for you. How can God exist and be all good and all powerful when there is evil and suffering in the world? That is the number one question. How can God exist and be all good and all powerful when there is evil and suffering in the world? Now, when Peter writes this, what we need to pick up on today, if, there's, if you remember one thing from today, it is that Peter's answer, what Peter is teaching here, is the answer to this question of all ages. It is the perfect answer. It, 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 he calls it the promise of his coming. The promise is the vindication of God's character and the answer to the question. Now, uh, we'll, we'll zap back to the question on the screen just for one second and pick this apart a little bit so you see how relevant the second coming is. 
when people say they're you know they'll if they ask it in a condescending fashion they'll say well there can't be a god because there's evil and suffering in the world so he he can't be it's it's impossible for an all-powerful and all good god to exist because there's evil and suffering in the world if you if you slow that down and think about that that uh, uh rhetoric there's a real problem with that rhetoric in terms of the existence of god because it presupposes the idea that it's impossible for a god who's completely holy and completely powerful to exist at the same time as evil and suffering in the world. Well, says who? What if that all-good and all-powerful God has a way to deal with evil and suffering? What if uh, uh, he uses evil and suffering for some purpose? We, we do not know that. Uh, and so to question and challenge his existence and say, well, evil and suffering can't exist at the same time, is an all-powerful and all-good God. That's a really bad philosophical presupposition, okay? It, it really doesn't work from a, just from an intellectual standpoint. What we can do is we can try to challenge God's character. We can say, well, if God is all-good and God is all-powerful, and evil and suffering exist at the same time as this all-good and all-powerful God, maybe there's something wrong with his character. Maybe his goodness can be put into question because apparently he is doing nothing to stop the evil and the suffering that we see in the world. It looks like he's taking his hands off the wheel of the car. And so we, we may be able to make a charge against his character, but we cannot make a charge against his existence because there's evil and suffering in the world. Hope you understand the two and the difference. So the promise of the coming of the Lord completely vindicates the character of God, and it is the answer to the question. I remember having a conversation with a man uh, several years ago. He ran a, a computer store and uh, he was a mathematician, very, very intelligent guy. And I r ran into him and he knew I was a pastor and uh, he got very, very angry when he found out I was a pastor. And in front of his whole staff, I was in the store at the time running an errand with a person, uh, another guy from another church and we were there buying some equipment or something like that. And and he said, you're a pastor. He said, he said, you need to answer this question. And he asked the very same question that I just put on the screen. And he said, if one of you, a priest, a pastor, an imam, a rabbi, a Satanist for all I care, can answer this question, then I will follow your religion. And he was very, very serious when he said that. And his whole staff and his whole store heard him say it. He was irate when he said it. And um, I, I turned to him and I said, well, let's have lunch. And so uh, he took me out to lunch a few days later. And of course, in between the time he asked the question and the time of the lunch, I was trying to prepare my answer for him. And I said to him, uh, after some small talk, uh, he, I said to him, uh, God will deal with the problem of evil and suffering in time. And I use the word time as an acronym for the promise 
of the return of Christ. Uh, the second coming is true. The second coming is imminent. It could happen any time. The second coming is a majestic event. It's not an invisible event. It's a world-changing event. And the second coming will eliminate evil. And when I had said that to him and told him that and explained all of this to him, he said, well, he said, that makes sense, but I can't, I can't believe that. Uh, so he acknowledged that it made sense from a logical perspective, but he said, I can't, I can't believe that. I can't bring myself to believe that Jesus will actually come back to planet Earth and, and uh, destroy evil and then redeem it and rebuild it and renew it and all these things you're describing. I can't be made to believe that. Uh, and it's a difficult thing to believe. However, is the resurrection a difficult thing to believe? Um, when a person believes that Jesus has risen from the dead and comes to that conclusion based on the evidence that we have, well then, uh, you, right away, you've got a whole different worldview. You've got the miraculous is possible. And if the miraculous is possible and creation is possible, as Peter says, and the flood happened, as Peter says, who are we to say that the second coming won't happen? So in any case, the promise is the vindication of God's character, the answer to the question. And Peter wants us to not forget it. So do not forget this one thing. He starts in verse 8. And I'm going to give you just a few observations here. Of, and I've read the text very, very slowly because this is an often butchered and misinterpreted text and we miss the thrust of it and the weight of it and the impact because we, we kind of go through it too fast. Number one, God relates to time differently than we do, especially differently than the scoffer does. So here the scoffer is saying, look, all this time has passed and the promise of Jesus is coming. The day of the Lord has not happened. See, all this time has passed. This is rubbish and they scoff it. And Peter, first, he starts by arguing creation, the flood. It's obvious we're not learning from our history, are we? Uh, but then he says, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. This sounds very suspiciously similar to something in the Psalms. Uh, I'm going to flip there in my, in my paper Bible here, which I still use. Psalm 90, and the Psalms are pretty well in the middle of your Bible if you're using a paper Bible. So Psalm 90 and uh, verse 4 says this, For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. And it could be that Peter has this in mind when he writes, A, a day is like a thousand years with the Lord. So from the Lord's perspective, from God's perspective, a day is like, it's a simile, it's not a mathematical equation, it's a simile. A day is like a millennium, and yet a millennium is like a day. That's a bit of a, that's a, bit of a riddle. What's he trying to say? He's not saying that we have a mathematical equation here. And there are some 
who take this passage and they say, hmm, well, uh, if God created in six days, book of Genesis, and a day is like a thousand years, and seven, the seventh day is like a year of completion or something, as we see in the Bible, sometimes it's used that way. So therefore, when creation is 6,000 years old, then the promise of the return can happen at any moment, you know, assuming that Bishop Usher's date of creation, which is like 4004 BC, is accurate, uh, which is a whole other debate, uh, then, you know, we can say, well, the second coming is going to happen in our lifetime and the promise of the return is going to happen in our lifetime. And we figured it out. We've got the math worked out. This is not what Peter is teaching here at all. What he is saying is, you look at the way the scoffer looks at time and tries to charge God and accuse God and say this is rubbish. The second coming is never going to happen. Look how many years have passed. What Peter is saying, uh-uh, the way the Lord reckons time is different. For the Lord, a day is like, a, it's like an eternity. It's like a millennium. And yet a millennium is like a day. He does not reckon time the same way we do at all and peter is pushing back at the scoffer and saying to the scoffer this is not the way god looks at time and that makes sense because god exists both in time and out of time at the same time he is not subject to time he's not subject to anything he operates in time but he existed before there was no time to measure. God existed. He created time. In fact, he created everything out of nothing by speaking it into existence. So time is not, is not a, a, uh, a barrier for God at all. Again, he exists in time, operates in time, out of time, at the same time, all the time. That's how powerful God is. And so Peter starts by saying, God relates to time differently. He doesn't relate to time the way you and I do, especially the way the scoffer does. And so God is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness so the scoffer says it's never going to happen look how slow it is even the open-minded uh person says wow you know it takes why does it take god such a long time even the even the ardent christ follower at times in our lives we say it seems like it takes forever i've been praying for this thing forever and it's like god is so slow and we sometimes if we're being honest we want to scream up up the sky and say why are you so slow he is not slow in keeping his promise peter says as some understand slowness so you've got to realize it, this is God is not looking and saying, oh, boy, you know, 
my 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 people are criticizing me and you know even the, the my followers are are criticizing me and I better speed up everything that I'm doing and I, no God doesn't operate that way God is perfectly in control and God is right on time his time not our time he is not slow Peter continues he is patient god is patient with you with you he adds oh my goodness i am so relieved to read that that god is patient with me and that god is patient with us we are not patient at all we are a very impatient humanity uh, especially right now where we are facing this pandemic this is unprecedented in our lifetime yes as i said last week not in the history of the world but it is certainly unprecedented in our lifetime and we are so impatient you know we want to get back to normal uh, it's been five months, five and a half months, and it, this has created havoc and devastation and destruction all over the place. Uh, financially, people's lives, businesses, everything is up in the air. It's like a, it's like a person took a tray of cookies and threw them up in the air, and we're waiting for them to land to see where they land. Uh, it's only been five, six months. There's already talk of vaccines. Um, you know, whether or not you believe that the that the vaccine out of Russia is actually will work is one thing. But even here in North America and other nations around the world, other continents, there's vaccine production and work being done around the clock six months. I mean, there are some viruses out there that they still don't have vaccines for yet. And yet they're talking about a vaccine for this thing that could happen end of this year. What? Or beginning of next year that is ridiculous speed that is because we want it and that is because we are driven by speed we have devices now that operate at light speed that are in our pockets we know speed we like speed and uh, we're used to it and so when things don't operate the way we want them to and as quickly as we want them to we get all just just completely jarred by this lack of speed but god is not slow and god is patient with you why is he patient with us because he loves us because he knows what he's doing because he he is delaying his return because he is patient this is the implication and peter continues god does not want anyone we'll put it on the screen to perish but everyone to come to repentance look at his train of thought and his argument here he doesn't want us to forget god relates to time differently god is not slow therefore god is patient implying his love for us and now he seals it god does not want anyone to perish 
He doesn't want anyone to be lost. He doesn't want anyone to be eternally separated from him in hell. Yes, I said that. But everyone to come to repentance. Uh, John chapter 3, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. It doesn't say God loves some of the world. No, God so loved the world, including you, my friend, who is watching or listening. Maybe I know you. Maybe I don't know you. But God knows you. And God does not want you to perish. God wants you to come to repentance. Every single person. He wants to come to repentance. This implies so many things. It implies that we have to make a decision. We have to make a choice to come to repentance. It implies that because of God's love, he is delaying his his coming, his return. Uh, in, in the Greek language, the parousia, it's the delay of the parousia because of his love for us and not wanting anyone to be lost and anyone to perish for eternity. We, we are so quick to accuse God and to attack his character, and yet the, the promise of his return is a vindication of his character. Maybe for you, you, again, you've been praying for something for so long. Understand God is patient with you. God is not slow in answering your request, but he operates differently in terms of his time. And ultimately, his will is that no one would be lost. That's his will. We thwart that by our own choice, and God does not remove our choice from us. He does not force us to serve him. He does not put a a supernatural sort of pistol to our head and say, you better serve me or else you'll perish. No, we make a decision as to whether or not we are going to turn and repent and turn to God. It is not his will that anyone should be lost but everyone to come to repentance. What amazing love that is. That's why we're doing the Alpha Film Series. I'll remind you of it again if you missed the announcement earlier in the broadcast. That's why we're doing the Alpha Film Series, because God does not want anyone to perish. God wants you, Christian person, on the other side of this camera or listening, to reach someone for him. God wants you to be a transmitter of the message of salvation that you have received to somebody else because he does not want anyone to perish. And he wants to use you to be a vehicle to do that. Even if all you do is attend it and kind of sit there and smile and listen to people as they ask their questions and pray for people and maybe give them a phone call during the week and see how they're doing without being a theologian, without trying to answer all their questions. Just let them be who they are and let God do what he wants to do in their lives. Even if you just do that, you are helping to reach the one who is far from God because God does not want anyone to perish that is his business that is his his i mean god is excited to use 
people to use his church to reach the one who is far from God. He wants to use you and me in all kinds of ways because his heart is to save people from the judgment that is to come because God is obligated to deal with evil. He is obligated to end it. He is obligated to end the suffering that is a result of it and all suffering in general, uh, whether it's because of evil or not because of evil, whatever. God is obligated to make this world right. And so the second coming will do that. Before that, he wants people saved. Uh, this is why I, t- I tell you to watch that Jonah uh, production. We'll put that on the screen, too, in case you missed it at the beginning. And Jonah, Old Testament prophet, right, who was called to preach to his enemies, the arch rival of not only Israel, but the world at that time, the Assyrians, capital city, Nineveh. And Jonah is told to go to Nineveh and preach to Nineveh. Well, Jonah's really smart. And Jonah knows as a prophet that God wants him to preach there because God loves the what? The Ninevites? I mean, these people who don't know their left hand from their right hand, spiritually speaking. Um, God loves them, those vicious, violent conquerors of the nations, the enemy of Israel. God loves them and wants to have mercy on them and wants to save them. The book ends with a question. The book of Jonah, should I not care about these people? We answered it in our series uh, during the week. You can find the little message there. But th- this is the heart of of God and that's in the Old Testament and what does Jonah do he gets as far as possible away from God's call on his life he says I'm going to Tarshish it's 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 as if he's going behind God's back if you know the expression it's as if he's saying he's thumbing his fist in God's call and saying, no way, I'm going to go as far as I can to the other side of the world if I have to, to disobey your call because I hate those people. I hate what those people have done to my nation. I hate what those people have done maybe to my family. You'll see it depicted uh, in the story if you watch it on TBN there. And But the heart of God is to love the sinner. Wow, that's you and me too. The heart of God is to love his enemies and want to see his enemies saved. Ultimately, many will make the choice not to respond to that. But God's heart is to save people. He is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance Watch that production and you will see the heart of God. What happens at the second coming? And again, we often, if we're not mythologizing the second coming, we're only looking at the part that benefits Christians. 
and the part that benefits Christians, uh, in at least in part, uh, is uh, uh, you know a new heaven, a new earth where there'll be no more death, no more, no more, no more, no more sin, no more sorrow. The old order of things will have passed away. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth and a new resurrection body for the believer. And these things are all true and all correct. But that's not the full story and not the full um, sequence of events that are going to happen at the coming of the Lord. If you if if you read the passage again, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Now, uh, I'll do some more teaching here. Some have interpreted this and have said, well, this is like a talking about the rapture and the rapture is uh is from a word that means the taking up of and this is the, the uh, taught by paul uh in in thessalonians and in corinthians in particular about the removal of the church from a period of wrath to come it almost looks like um it almost looks like a, a distinction between the the uh, second coming and something else. And so scholars over the years have said this is, seems to be a second kind of event. And this is referred to, at least in uh, one view, and I hold to this view, uh, the rapture where the church will be removed from the world before the period of wrath to come and the second coming of Jesus. We call this uh, a pre-tribulational view and a pre-millennial view. I do hold to this view, but I recognize that there is about half a dozen other views that are also uh, held by Christians around the world. And what's my point? I do not think that he is talking about the rapture here. I think his mind is purely on the second coming of Christ and the promise of the return of Jesus as given by the context. But it's interesting. He says, but even though God is delaying the second coming because of his love for people and because he wants as many to respond as possible and none to be lost, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. There's an old movie, I think, from the 70s or 60s, A Thief in the Night. You know, it was very popular back then, back when Christian movies were really bad production and all of that. But this idea of a thief, thieves act very quickly. If you've ever been robbed, they work really fast. They don't sort of park in your house, you know, day and night uh, to wait to be caught they usually move very, very quickly. And then you come into your house and you say, oh, everything's gone. The thief has come. Uh, you know, the old story that, that you watch at Christmas time, the old animated, how the Grinch stole Christmas. Well, he works real fast, that Grinch. And then when they when they get up in Whoville, they, you know, they look and they say, Everything's gone. You know, there's little nails left on the wall, but everything is gone. And the image here is there will be a rapid thing that happens and it'll be like a thief. It, it will it will surprise people somehow the second coming of the Lord and there will be a, a global something global will happen here. 
This is not a localized little small thing. The heavens will disappear with a roar. So disappear, thief, that's the image, with a roar. That's a rapid, huge, indescribable event. The heavens will disappear with a roar. What is he talking about there? I'm not fully sure I can grapple even with the language and what would be capable of doing something like that. With a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire. Remember, he talked about the flood and water. Here, he's talking about the elements, the very, the very bare bones of the earth, as if to say, will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. It's not only about what benefits believers. It is about the destruction, the global destruction of this present existence Everything in it will be laid bare. I've seen people try to explain that this is, you know, nuclear warfare and bombs going off around the world. I don't think so, because this is talking about something that is from God. This is the destruction and the judgment of God on evil and suffering. This is the vindication of his character. This is the answer to the ultimate question that has been asked in the, uh, uh, through the ages about the existence of God and Christianity. Destruction is going to come as well. It's not just, well, with the Christian, we're all waiting for a resurrected body. No, God's got to deal with evil. Global destruction is going to come since, since everything will be destroyed in this way. What kind of people ought you to be? How should you live? Should you live in an arrogant fashion and tell non-Christian people you're terrible, you're sinners, you're all going to hell? No, you should love them, you should reach out to them, you should show mercy to them, you should teach them the gospel, you should make disciples of all nations. doesn't mean you compromise, it means you reach people. You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and you speed its coming. Interesting language there. The implication is when the church is doing its work, the church is speeding the coming of the Lord, and the work here in context is to reach the one who is far from God. That day will bring about, here it is again, the destruction of the heavens by fire. The elements will melt in the heat. This is, this is unfathomable destruction, the likes of which we have never, ever seen before. But in keeping with his promise, see, God is faithful. God keeps his promises. He hasn't taken his hands off the wheel of the car. He hasn't taken his hands off the wheel of your life. God is faithful in his promise. We are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So, God will destroy, God will transform, and God will redeem. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth 
and and as revelation uh teaches uh no more tears no more sorrow no more dying i participated in a funeral uh just this week of a of a dear dear saint a lady from uh, my previous church who had the privilege of uh being involved in her funeral joan ford and uh, she would she would believe these things as well. A new heaven, a new earth, no more dying, no more, no more sorrow, no more tears. The old order, that's our order, is the old order, has passed away and the new has come. Do you want to be a part of that? If you do, you are the person who Peter is talking about, you are the none that God wants to perish. And I'm going to lead you uh, in, a, in, a, in a prayer this morning. You are the person, you are, that, you, are, you are the one who Peter says, God wants none to perish. You're the none that God wants to perish, if I can put it that way. You're that person that God does not want to perish. I'm sorry, I'm mixing my words. You're the one that he does not want to perish. Thank you to my, my advisors there behind the camera. So God wants to reach you, friend. God is interested in you. God wants to transform your life. He wants to forgive you of your sin. He wants you to turn to him in repentance, okay? You've got to realize that there is a big gap between you and God, between me and God. Because of my sin, because of your sin, we have this huge, huge, uncrossable gap between us and our Creator. And when God became man in the person of Jesus Christ, He died on the cross in order to bridge that gap so that we could have communion and fellowship with God, so that the wrath of God against sin was poured out on Jesus on that cross. It was a substitute for you and for me. We call that a propitiation, where God poured out his justice against my sin on Jesus as a substitute, so that I could come to faith in him. So you are that none that God does not want to perish. I will say it again, does not want to perish. So I'm going to pray a simple prayer with you uh, as we close today. And I hope it's I hope it's clear. I'm sorry for the mixing of my words here this morning. Father, we come to you. And Lord, on behalf of all those who are watching, listening, um, we want to respond to you. So, God, I pray on behalf of my brother, my sister on, on the other side of this camera. God, forgive me, a sinner, and I turn from my, my own sin and I turn to you. And, God, I ask you to forgive me and to transform me and to come into my life and enable me to live in a different way with you as my God no longer me on the throne of my life, but you as my God. I want to serve you and learn about you and grow in a relationship with you. Amen. You prayed that prayer today. That is the beginning of something brand new in your life. I want you to reach out to me. Use the connect information on our website or Facebook page, and I would be delighted, super excited to follow up your decision and to help you take some next steps along the way. 
look forward to being with you again this week i'll probably do two three uh, uh broadcasts on your questions god's questions and then next week we're going to start a brand new series we're going to talk about the churches that jesus addressed in the opening chapters of the book of revelation there are seven lessons of uh, well at least seven lessons from those seven churches so we're going to start to talk about that next week until we meet again may god bless you